Hey everybody, this is Bulgariad and Beyond, the show where we explore magical reality through fiction, chapter by chapter, and we've begun with the Bulgariad series of books by David Eddings. Welcome to season three, episode 18. This season we're reading book three, Magician's Gambit, and today we are diving into chapter 17. My name is Sandra Turnbull. I am the director of Goddess Kindled Universe. It is its own creature. And when, we're, when I'm inside there, I get to just conduct all of the magic and write amazing books and create amazing things. And I'm Alicia Seymour, fantasy author of magic and wonder and darkness, honestly. <laughs> yes. Oh, I like that. <laughs> yes. I realize that's what my stories really consist of is understanding yeah. darkness. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's beautiful. We need more of yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, welcome to the show, everybody. I like playing around with that section. Who am I today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is fun to kind of change it up. But I could try to add a little bit more after. Well, to let's see, just... to see what comes out. I am very excited to get into Polgara's Cup straight away today because in the show notes, in well, the run sheet that we have that kind of tries to wrangle us into some kind of framework <laughs> every week, mm-hmm. um, Alicia has done a teaser for me and she's got big news that she's going to announce in her cup and I really want to know what it is. So take it away, Polgara's Cup. Okay, so I guess you want me to go first. Yes, I do. All right. Well, my cup is, I don't even know if this is a thing, but it sounded good. So turmeric and rose almond milk, like warmed up. I don't see why that can't be a thing. Yeah. Um, Because I have been lost in this world of becoming supernatural, which is actually a book title too. (laughs) Um, but that is what it, exactly what it has felt like reading the book. Um, it's a book by Dr. Joe Dispenza. I don't know if you know him, but yeah. yeah. I had his other book, um, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself or something like that. And I enjoyed that one, but it was highly scientific. This book is, is most recent. Uh, and he even says in it that it's the first time he's actually embraced what he's really passionate about, which is exploring the awakening journey, like basically exploring how you tap into that aspect of the unseen of the quantum world is the phrase he uses a lot. Um, And so I just like fell in love with it because I already knew I liked him, but seeing him just open up to who he really is in his writing was incredible. And every word, I'm just like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and so <laughs> it's kind of like an Eckhart Tolle experience all okay. over again. Yeah. Um, so I'm really grateful that I have that book now as well. But the the big news, so I have, I've been like just giddy since Monday because this is when it happened. Mm-hmm. But the big news is that I have finally finished the draft of my book that is the third book in my in my series that I started almost 10 years ago oh that's huge 
I have the ending. I know how it ends. I know what happens to each character. And I actually cried at the end. Like when I, when I, I finished, I just sat there and I'm like, uh, loud airplane. Yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> I just sat there and like, didn't know what to feel for a moment because yeah. there was also a big moment at the end of the book that I didn't I didn't know was going to happen and, and it mm-hmm. was around one of the characters for me that was a really big character and so it was kind of a bittersweet kind of thing around that too so it just felt really great and now I'm already going back through the draft to like fill in where I need to fill in and mm-hmm. close loopholes and that kind of stuff so that's always one of my favorite parts mm-hmm. um, is doing that. So I'm really excited. And then hang on. <laughs> Bloody planes. Jeez, another sirens going. Can you hear those? Yeah. Yeah. Somebody needs help. Oh well, I hope they get it. But but yeah, so yep doing those these next phases is always my favorite part more so than writing it because sometimes writing it I feel like a lot of uncertainty which is Mm -hmm. good but now that I know what I'm working with I'm like oh my gosh let me go in and have some real fun with it oh I love the deepening (laughs) process it's so wonderful like I, I I I enjoy the drafting because it's like discovering the story it's like what happens next what happens next what happens next and that's lovely Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but the deepening is just oh there's something beautiful about that yeah and what's really cool is because you guys I think I brought up on here no I'm like a story grid nerd so I love applying the story grid process Mm -hmm. which is like the last phase I do before I'll send it to someone to edit Mm -hmm. um but I've recently started listening to their podcast again, the Story Grid podcast, and Sean Coyne always has his own little inventions that are really cool. Like mm-hmm. I always appreciate the nerdiness of them, and so he's on and onto a new invention that he's calling the Hero's Journey 2.0, and he's using um, the uh, Wizard of Oz to kind of help explain his processes. So, and, are like, these new episodes? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. And so it's in between that. And then they're also discussing Tim Grawl, uh-huh. his book two and his series. He's his draft of that. So it's kind okay. of back and forth. But it's like, I'm just, I nerd out because Tim, um, no, Sean Coyne has moments with, where he really taps into, you can tell he has some knowledge of this fifth dimension kind of quantum world stuff yeah and he really just wraps it around though this topic of of what he's he's doing with story and it just i i'm nerding out with him because i'm like he gets it he gets it (laughs) and then like it just makes me so excited so i'm excited to start applying all that to this draft yep too congratulations series thank you yeah it feels amazing I've, I've been trying to do this for so long. No, that's just and, so big. You know, it took me a year. To well done, it. sweetheart. Thank you. Well done. Oh, that is exciting news. Oh, my goodness. What will you do now when you finish all of this? 
I'm ex- well, that's why I'm so excited because I already know this new series I've been wanting to start. And I told myself I would not until I finished this. Mm-hmm. So once I've done all I can do with this draft and it's going to go to an editor, then I'll probably start brainstorming it. Honestly, I'll be brainstorming this new series in the meantime, but mm-hmm. I won't allow myself to write until this one's closed. No. But brainstorming is an important part of the mm-hmm. writing process. And this one's going to require a little bit, a little bit of research. So my dog liked that idea. She's like, I'm all for research. (laughs) So yeah, so um, that's another reason I'm super excited because this series that I've been, it's been with me for like six months. um, I am extremely, extremely excited to explore it and what it's going to open up to because well I I can't wait to hear more about it when you do yeah I'll definitely be talking about it okay cool (laughs) well it's so it's so wonderful that you're talking about getting lost in the world in the world of becoming supernatural because I've spent the last (laughs) couple of weeks binge watching supernatural (laughs) (gasps) have you no way I, I just started watching it too. Have you never seen it before? Like the last, no, I haven't. <gasps> no. Yeah. Like the <gasps> last two weeks. I'm almost oh done with season one. Oh my God. Well, I like watched the last episode of the final season <clears throat> and it was so perfect. I'm like, oh my God, I have to go back and start watching it again. And so I'm on season two, episode 10 now. Oh my gosh. Again. That's I can't believe you've never up. seen it. No, I never have. And like, I someone brought it up to me because I was <gasps> telling this person about the book Becoming Supernatural. And he was like, my sister was just talking to me about Supernatural. And I thought for a second, I thought he meant um, like actually supernatural things that she was because she's kind of into uh, that mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. But then I realized he was talking about the show. And he's like, I you really you really haven't seen it yet i think you'd really like it so you like, right. will love it it's got and i already scary weird i'm surprised you can thing. watch it it is a little bit creepy sometimes oh i love it ah oh, it's my one of my you know, all-time like favorite shows yeah it what i liked initially is because it started i looked it up started in 2005 so because the season one really still kind of has that vibe of that time. It so does. It really it does. Reminds, it reminds me a lot of X-Files and I can see why they created it probably to fill the void of X-Files left behind. Yes, right? yes, 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 yes. Like I, I'm, cause I'm just started watching it again. I said to um, uh, my wife, we were getting towards the, I was getting towards the end of season one a couple of days ago. I'm like, wow, this is so gritty. This is so Oh, 2005. <laughs> All dark and gritty. Yeah. 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 So I'm curious to see how it grows as, you know, technology advanced. Oh, my that God. Stuff. You're going to love it. It's yeah, awesome. It is. It's really good. It's really good. I don't want to <laughs> yeah, cut we can off. talk about Supernatural your... now, too. <laughs> I know. I don't think maybe we should just add a separate podcast to you. <laughs> no. I would not mind that at all. <laughs> yeah because it's so awesome um surely someone's got a supernatural pop card put oh yeah there's gotta be let me i'm gonna google it right now hang on i'm googling there's probably one that's like a big hit out there 
Okay, so Supernatural with Ashley Flowers is the first one that comes up. And it's most mysteries can be solved by... Da, 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 da. No, that is not what I'm talking about. <laughs> you probably have to type in Supernatural TV show podcast to get like the show itself. Probably. I'm not very good at Googling. Monster of the Week, a Supernatural podcast. So Monster of the Week, a creepy but necessary podcast covering the TV show Supernatural. There we go. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I'm just going to leave that tab open and check it out later. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You just have to share one more thing. Yeah. And I'll let you continue with your cup. Okay. Who's, which brother are you for? Dean or Sam? It depends who's pissing me off at any particular moment because I get totally over their fucking drama and then I'm like, oh, but then, oh my God. So I'd have to, I'd have to take a break for just a little bit because they just get <laughs> far too freaking dramatic and I'm a bit over them. But really? then, you know, cause I love them and I have to go back and yeah. see what's going to happen next. Even though I know that doesn't matter. Right. Okay. Well, just based off season one, I've been like all about Sam because He's, I don't know, he just seems like he's always doing the right thing, at least. But then towards the end of season one, he starts to kind of banter with Dean a little bit where I'm like, that doesn't seem like Sam to me. Oh my God, oh my God. I am going to enjoy watching you watch this so much. This is a thing now. This is a thing. We're we'll going to have to do re- like a little short check-in. We're just going to have a little know. supernatural check-in. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Maybe it'll be a before the show thing or something. <gasps> That's a great idea. Decide. Let's make a special supernatural for the patrons. Yeah. Again. Just do like a little ten minute thing. Yeah, like a little this one. Because <laughs> that would be cool. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. Okay. So <laughs> we've been talking for half an hour already. No, it's not true, but. Uh, my cup. So my cup this week, my potion is peppermint tincture in copious amounts of water. <sighs> because if you've been following the show and if you're listening to this episode, you probably have been following the show and all of my digestive dramas, which I will not go into again today. But anyway, so I've, the, I've changed what I'm taking into my body. Still taking the active charcoal, but I found a formulation that includes peppermint oil and anise, and that helps like settle everything down. It's not as choking to my system, and I've upped my water intake, which is helping. And the other thing that's helping is me moving more. So I haven't been doing as much yoga lately because <laughs> did I tell you all that my face started to go numb? Like. Was that on the show at all? No. No, because I think that happened the week you were sick and you. Yes. Well, you got sick first. And that's why we didn't record. And then the face thing started. Yeah. So I'm like on the sofa with headaches, like stunningly bad headaches, unable mm-hmm. to do anything except like hide under the blanket and peek out and watch Sam and Dean out of the corner of one eye <laughs> on the television. And, um, and then my fa- the left side of my face started to go freaking numb. 
And I'm like, oh, this is doesn't, I don't think this is a good thing. I could sort right. of, I was rubbing at my cheek. It was like the feeling you get when you have a, a injection at the dentist. Like you can feel the outside of your face a little, like it feels, felt like the, the in-between flesh, like in between the inside of my mouth and the outside of my cheek was kind of, mm. there was like this numb weirdness going on in there. I'm like, okay, yeah. all right, we'll just see if this goes away. And I'm just about ready to call the doctor because it's like come up, it's like up to my eyebrow on this particular day. I'm like, oh, babe, I don't think this is a good, I think I might need to go see a doctor. I don't think this is a good thing. Yeah. Because my dad and my aunt have both um, had Bell's palsy and that's not great. Um, and so I was just starting to get a bit worried. And then I can't remember why, but um we always go for trigger points, any pain in the body, like any serious pain, we always sort of investigate the trigger points in the muscles to see if it helps. And holy shit, my shoulder and arm, this whole left shoulder and arm was so concrete. It was ridiculous. So it had pinched off all of the nerves (laughs) up to my face. And that's why I was going numb. And it's because of a stretch that I was doing in yoga and holding with lying on the, on my back, my arms over my head and stretching over this way or that way. I can't like, I, I, I have to do it supported with pillows sort of propping up under my elbows because I can't get my shoulders back all the way. And it's doing, doing this particular pose for a few days in a row. <laughs> and that yeah. was not great. And so, <laughs> so that's what the problem was. So I've, um, but I've got this standing desk now and I'm, I'm finding that I'm moving more just in general, doing stretches through the day rather than a big yoga session, which I still mm. will do because I love it and it makes me feel strong. But like just stretching, incidental moving and incidental stretching during the day. And um, I'm finding that I, if I do my writing session in the morning, standing at this little beauty of a standing desk that I can, you know, raise up nice and high, I can do like a 90 minute session and it just, dis- the time disappears. I don't realize I've been standing for that long because I'm not standing perfectly still, you know, I jiggle around, right. I swivel my hips. So you know it's i'm just more mobile and i got so many words written that's good it was fantastic well that's good you found out what was causing it so you can at least either adjust that exercise or just not do that one oh my god yeah so i'm not numb anymore i'm still a bit tight but it's all coming good thank goodness yeah not having a stroke or anything it's great (laughs) yeah that's always good news (laughs) Yeah, right. Oh, okay. What's Garion's view this week? Oh, Garion's view. Well, it's actually Sanidra's view this week (laughs) Um, because it's from her point of view and they are all sitting together with the Gorham and I don't know if there's anything... I just reread the chapter. I feel like I'm missing something. But basically, he tells the story, the history of Ul. Kind of, I think it's basically like the prologue that we read. He tells that story. And Sinidra is kind of fascinated by it. 
because even though technically her god is supposed to be old, you know, we find out that she knows nothing of him. So then they're interrupted by Relg, who is the diviner that they've been looking for. And we find out he's pretty eccentric. Um, he kind that of was very of, kind of you. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll wait to explain more. But um, <laughs> and we see what he can do as a diviner. So mm-hmm. yep. he finds out that they're waiting for him. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Yeah. Okay, let's get into Wolf's wisdom. Let me dive into the chapter and have a bit more of a talk about all of the things. Yeah, so when we start the chapter, we're in Snedra's, we're looking out of her eyes and she's sort of pondering what's happened to her so far since she joined the group. And it's quite... It's quite like she seems to be having moments of quite lovely self-awareness of how, you know, horrible she's been to Garion and why that is. Um, basically, because she's been terrified and there's been lots of horrible things happening and she's been snatched out of her lovely pampered safe life, her sheltered life, and thrown into the middle of all of this you know frosty cold she's from a warm country she's never experienced anything like this in her life and she's just been really cold and so gary and has borne the brunt of all of that and she seems to be aware of that um which <laughs> for I a guess, moment at for least. the moment <laughs> yeah see so, okay, go on um yeah so i, I thought that was kind of cool and she's like i'm gonna as soon as i have the chance i'll pull him aside and tell him like you know mm-hmm. sorry this is the way it's been we can make it up and we can be good mm-hmm. you know and then she's i guess she's watching him while she's yeah. thinking all this yeah and he senses it and looks at her but the look he has has like i forget what's the word they use but it's basically he doesn't have any emotion he's just like whatever yeah he just sort looks of looks away. at her and then looks away again <laughs> and so she instantly kind of like gets poked by that she's like oh well he'll, yes. he'll get he'll get what's coming to him show him so, so all of that previous thought, you know, kind of yeah. went out the window. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Oh, indifference. That's the word. Indifference. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Indifference. So, and so she's sort of, while she's sitting there, one pondering all of this stuff, the things that have happened to her, you know, he starts, she starts considering the Gorum and he's just this frail, this old frail looking dude. And then the focus shifts to what the Gorum is saying. And he's talking about, you know, he's asking the group about which monsters are abroad this season. Yeah. And they share with him their encounter with the Eldrak. The little fight that they had to, you know, that they got into. Um, and he asks which which one it was or who was it. Elgrath tells him and he's actually a little bit sad about it. Hmm. Yeah, sad's so, the right word, but well, he's he's the he's like sympathy, maybe. Yeah, he's, he's he's sympathetic, and it's like he doesn't put himself above any of the monsters in in importance. As yeah. far as you know, he calls them all children of all. You know, the monsters are children of all, also. 
and Barak has a moment of um, you know, observing like, well, if those monsters were gone though, if you guys got rid of them, then you guys could go back up and live above ground again. Mm-hmm. But the Gorum reminds him that we'll never leave the caves. This is who we are. This is yeah. our place. You know? They've been there for what five millennia. So is that is that thousand millennia a millennia is a thousand years, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, I think so. So it's like five thousand years below ground that changes the way you know your right. physical and body eyes, develops yeah their eyes it can't see sunlight mm-hmm. um not easily anyway and so yeah he's like no we won't ever go back up there um but and then he's like yeah but not all mon- not all alien creatures are uh monstrous and he takes Sinedra's little face in his hands you know consider this the gorum the gorum oh gorum. did i say what did i say no you just said he so I just oh i apologize yeah so the gorum sort of reaches okay. over and what about this dryad she's so beautiful and um and sinedra is like not surprised at all by the way that he you know behaves towards her what surprises her is that he recognizes she's a dryad mm-hmm not entirely human. Yeah. This takes the conversation into the Gorham asking if the um, dryads still honour all as their god. Yeah. Um, which, of course, is a little bit complicated. The answer is a little bit more complicated than yes or no because um, the princess has raised Tonedrin and they honour a different god completely. And who is, you know, Nidra is their god. And Gorham actually, and he's funny. He sort of sniffs and um, he's like, oh, a bit stuffy for my taste, but adequate, you know, referring to the Tolnidran god. But then um, Belglas sort of like, well, the dryads don't actually honour any gods. They've got some sacred groves and a few old trees that they honour. But they don't really have any religious observances, so to speak, so... Yeah, the, like the way that it's Belgrath who says this, though, yeah. and the way, kind of the way he says it, because he says they have a few sacred groves, a rough idol or two fashioned from the root of a particularly venerated tree. And that's about it. They don't have any clearly formulated theology. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the, just the way he chose the words, I, because Sinesia, gets a little bit offended by the discussion you know but I, I actually kind of understand her because Belgrath felt a little bit dismissive I thought in his word choice of like well it's just a tree that's about it it's not a real god really know? okay yeah I don't I actually when I read that I've always sort of felt like um Belgrath was trying to um, create a soft space for how the dryads are Mm. um, uh, for, for a soft way for the Gorham to understand how they are. And and, yeah, I I didn't, I didn't think it, I don't, I don't read that as Belgrath being um, dismissive. So I I like, it's interesting, you know, the way that, we can read the same text and have completely different 
interpretations yeah. of what's going on. And Sinedra, he, I think she gets offended because, and Belgrade hasn't said anything that's not true. Like he's, she, he's answering the Gorham's question. They don't have any religious affiliations. This is how they are, you know? So it's not like he's trying, he's making up nasty stories about them or trying to make them look bad. He's just telling the truth about how they behave. And, um, and Sinedra gets miffed. <laughs> right. Because, because, and I think also, how would she know how they are? Because she doesn't live with them. She lives as a tall Nidran. And so I think right. if she's trying to transpose her understanding of uh, gods and worship over dryads, that's not going to work because she doesn't have that experience of how they are and mm-hmm. what their spirituality yeah. is. Yeah, I understand that point. She doesn't. She didn't grow up as a dryad, you know. But, you know, I still, I just interpreted it yeah. as, that's how I interpreted it. it just oh, that, no, like no, that's He could cool. have used, he could have used different words. Like, he's not insulting them. No, he's means, not. But it also feels like a little bit kind of like hand, wave hand, like, yeah, okay. they, they do. So, it's not a god, but it's a tree, you know. I I actually really think it's quite beautiful <laughs> the way that they <laughs> behave. But I'm a I'm a little bit witchy, um, and no, so yeah, I like I, I like that kind of thing. I think that's I like, it. That's I think why I felt like he was dismissing the fact that it's a tree and not a god. Oh, I see. I, I was see. Like, what's wrong with what's wrong with worshiping a tree? How's that? Absolutely nothing. Happen? Yeah, absolutely nothing okay just his word choice made me feel like ah. he made it seem lesser that it was a tree and not a god Ah, okay i understand i understand better what it is you're saying now i think okay i would tend to agree with that (laughs) yeah yeah but i think i felt like sinidra was offended even though she doesn't know anything really i mean she knows a little bit about the dryad stuff that she felt a little offended just on the way he described it, maybe. Okay. That's how I interpreted. Okay. The, okay. Yeah. 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 I can see that now. I can see. I can see what you. What where you. The perspective that you're looking through. Cool. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So then Sinedra yeah. ramps up and she's like, gets her little miffy voice on, and um, right, you know, gathers herself and she's like, sets out to charm him and like, yep. I feel this loss most keenly, you know, since all is the hereditary God of the Dryads, I will take it upon myself to instruct them concerning him. Take your story, take his story to them. Unworthy as I am, like she's got all of the charm things going on for old men because she's done it to her father for years. And she gives a lovely little speech and she's like, there we go. She's rather proud of herself and... (laughs) And then she's surprised by the fact that the Goran's like, well, he's not, sat- he's not satisfied with that. He's going to give her more specific instructions. He tells her, okay, you need to look at the book of all. And she's like, yep, yep. Okay. The book of all, I'll get a copy. I will deliver it to the queen of the dryads myself. And she's like, take that and sit down, dude. I've got this. And, um, 
and he, that's still not good enough. Nuh-uh. He's going to be very helpful now, the Gorham. And I know that I'm speaking very tongue-in-cheek and dismissively, but I actually adore the Gorham. He very seriously takes her at her word and says, yes, but any copy of this book that you can get will be not a true translation. Our language is very hard to translate. I'm going to tell you the story instead so that you can take the true story. And Sinetra's like, shit, okay, I'm plonked myself in it. I'm just going to have to sit here and listen now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because that's the line where she's like, she said, well, it says, in utter dismay, Sinetra realized that he fully intended to recite the entire book to her. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I can understand that. I'd be the same and be like, oh, I really have to listen to that. But then actually, as he begins, she feels this compelling nature to the story and she's totally Mm -hmm. captured by it. Yeah. I imagine the Gorham is probably one of the best storytellers around. He has that feeling, doesn't he? Just that like, it feels, when when I think of him, I think of him as one of the kindest people, like just sincere and like just, I don't know, yeah, sincere and totally true to his honour, his way of honouring his God, like his devotion, his devotion. He's, they're the words, he's devoted and he's sincere and he just has all of that sort of energy going on mm-hmm. yeah what do you think yeah i agree and i just imagine him telling as he tells the story you know as he's reciting this that the energy of that story is probably coming through him and into the room and so they're actually feeling what he felt and that kind of stuff you know i would i would agree with that i he's like this hot the holy like you can just about see the aura around this guy he's so freaking holy but then while he's talking sanedra notices a rock the wall the rock wall um is it behind the car It doesn't say. It's it doesn't a... say. Just one of the massive rocks that form the wall, one of the walls of the chamber begins mm-hmm. to have a, like there's a soft glow like inside the rock that she notices out of the corner of her eye as the Gorham's telling this story. And he's interrupted most rudely by uh, someone snarling at them bursting into the room and snarling at them in Ulgo language, saying what I can only assume is how dare you say that stuff, Gorham. (laughs) Yeah, I suppose so. Something like that. He's upset because he hears, he walks in to hear them. He's sharing this with people who he thinks are undeserving here mm-hmm. telling their holy story their, their their religious texts to outsiders this newcomer into the room is short 
like all the Ugos are. His arms and shoulders are very developed, like the Ugo men's arms and shoulders are. But his are so massively overdeveloped that it describes him as looking almost deformed because he's so, like, muscular in his shoulders and arms. And he's just all messy and dirty looking. And just isn't behaving very nicely. He's he's snarling and spitting, you know. He just keeps carrying on and yelling and, you know, can only imagine, okay, it doesn't say what he says. But it does say he's got a group of people behind him who look similarly outraged and shocked by the fact that the Ulgo is, you know, telling Ulgo religious, I don't know, I don't see the problem with sharing it. I don't understand why they're so pissed off. Yeah. Well, I do, but it's stupid, so I don't agree. (laughs) It's kind of like what what people would call, I don't know if this is the right comparison or not, but I imagine Relg and his followers being like, he's like this big kind of Bible thumper guy in, in the group. And these guys have all been brainwashed by his teachings. His, his own special interpretation of the text, perhaps. Yeah, right. So that he comes in and uh, he just starts yelling because he thinks maybe he's he's been delegated the task of interpreting it in the right way and all this stuff. Yeah. I think mostly it's just because he sees any outsider as unworthy and unholy and not pure enough to hear the word of their God. Right. Probably. <laughs> um, so anyway, while he's carrying on the Gorham, just sort of turns to Belgrath and goes, well, I told you, this is Relg. <laughs> yeah. Good luck getting him to do anything. <laughs> and Barak is immediately like, ugh, disgusted and just insulting like can't even speak a civilized tongue and rel can speak their tongue demonstrates it and declares that he just chooses not to defile the holy caverns with its unsanctified mouthing so yeah this is the person that we're dealing with right now (laughs) yeah and he brought the whole group with him to just in case just in case And he, he turns to the Gorham and challenges him and says, how dare you? Who gave you the right to speak the words of our holy book to unbelieving foreigners? And the darling, frail, fragile old Gorham shows his mettle, shows why he is the Gorham of his people and stands up and says, Whatever you say to gullible people in out-of-the-way places is up to you. But here in my house, I am the Gorham and I have the right that our God gave me to say whatever I say, basically. Like, you are not the leader here, dude. Don't piss me off. Which I really like. Yeah, it was good. Um, and he looks over at the group of people behind him and says, you were called here, Relg. They were not. 
send them away. And Rilk says, no, I'm not going to. They came because I've heard things about you. They are here to make sure that I'm safe. <sighs> and um, the Gorham is completely unimpressed and tells him as much. I just don't care, Rilk. Send them away or I will. And um, Rogue's like, well, they won't go. And the Gorham stands up and addresses the followers and they, and says something. And even Sinedra is like, oh my goodness. She didn't recognize the words, but she recognized the tone. And, yeah. you know, she's like, not even her father would use that tone. And it's coming out of this saintly old man. And I imagine that that makes it even more effective. You know, this unlikely source of um power and strength being directed at you anyway the followers look very shocked and run away yeah and relg is um demanding why he's been summoned um and the gorham explains that this group of people have to fight the ancient foe is what he calls him um, and the fate of the world hangs upon their quest and your aid is needed. And he just doesn't really care. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, Belgrath brings up like, I hope that you'll come willingly, but whether I have to force you or you come on your own, doesn't matter, you're coming. Yeah. You know. He's very naive, you know, because the way that he talks about Twerk, why do I care about him? He can't come down here. And, you know, Pogara, is it Pogara? And it's like, well, how little you know him, you know? He's very, he's very uh, narrow-minded and unworld, like, just doesn't know anything apart from what his world is. Which I suppose I can understand because that's all any of us see is our own worldview and the things that build our worldview. He can't see anything else because this has been his life. And so, you know, yeah, um, but he's, he's um, not interested in leaving. And he says, I will not leave the caves because the coming of the child, the new Gorham is at hand and all has told me that I'll be the one to reveal him and guide him as he grows until he's ready to become the Gorham. And, and the Gorham's like, oh, is that a fact? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Who told you this? And your brother's like, all spoke to me. And the Gorham keeps challenging him, you know, you know, all had spoken, all the caverns would have rung with his voice. How is it that you are the only one who's heard this? And Rolf's like, oh, oh, he spoke to me in my heart. And um, the Gorham is very, very, I love the way he's like, is that a fact? And a curious thing for him to do i just love it and um then Belgrass like well it doesn't matter you're going to come anyway then um silk is it silk no barrack again it's like oh can we why do we have to take this person with us you know he's going to be a pain in the ass not a very good companion why do we need him um and did you want to tell them tell our listeners why they might need this divine? Well, Relg is obviously offended by Beric 
And he says, uh, big men with big mouths seldom have big brains. Watch closely, hairy one. So then he puts his hand through the rock, just like he would put it into water and just passes right through. And Silk is instantly like, wow, how'd you do that? He's like all over there trying to figure it out. And um, I like the description of how he, like how he's able to do that. Um, but it's Belgrath who says it. He's the one who says it. He finds caves. Is that, wait, did I miss it? He talks about the illusion of solidity, which I love. Yeah. And I have talked about yeah, since I was one. like 12 years old. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really, really liked that piece because it's very much along like the becoming yeah. supernatural. And you exactly. know, it is, it's real. It's a real thing. Everything it's not is just in fantasy, everything. this fantasy story. It's a real yeah. thing. It's a concept. Precisely. It's a, uh, it's, just, it's an energetic fact. And the way that Relg puts his arm through the wall is the wall isn't solid. It's made up of bits and pieces. And so Relg is made up of bits and pieces and he fits his bits and pieces into the spaces between the bits and pieces that make up the wall. And that's how Belgarath mm -hmm. describes it. Yeah. And then he can also sense the caves he says he's drawn to the holiness of the cave because of his sanctity. <laughs> uh, and Belgrath, of course, is kind of like, yeah, whatever. We'll see sorry? when we get there. Was, um, Belgrath. Oh, sorry. Belgrath is kind of like, well, we'll see. We'll see about yeah. that holiness. You know? <laughs> yeah. And then the glow in the wall that Sinedra had noticed before grows and pulsates and then a shape steps out of the rock and there's a figure of an old man bearded and robed just like the Gorham uh, but like more substantial and um, there's this she's struck by this overwhelming sense of more than humanity this more than human creature and she realizes it's something divine and Relg just like loses his shit and throws himself on the ground, prostrate, prostrate on the ground. And then the, I love, I love this. The figure looks at Relg very calmly and says, rise Relg, rise and serve thy God. So <laughs> we're about to meet another God in that's the end of the chapter. So we don't meet him till next I think we can safely assume that it's all since he's named himself as all relgs god yes um that will be fun what did you think of that Nicole. chapter it was good um i really liked the piece about the solidity and illusion and all that the diviner I, he seems like a pain in the ass, but <laughs> I feel like he's going to be a character that will warm up after time. Mm -hmm. And I'm just looking forward to, to learning more about why he can do it and how he does it and all that. Okay. Being a diviner. Cool. Yeah, there are some of the things about the way that he does what he does that are interesting. 
I don't know okay. why there's so many airplanes today, but oh, that's okay. There too many. And I'd written a note to myself in the sheet. Why does it seem that nobody else notices the glowing inside the rock apart from Sinedra? Oh, I hadn't even considered that. And I'd never thought I'd never I'd never thought about that before. But I'm like, is it because the first thing that I thought about was is it because she is a more a monster, an alien creature than the people in the room? Like the only other people who are let's say old creatures are the Gorum and Relk. And the way it's described is maybe the the way that they're arranged in the room is that maybe she's seeing part of the room that the Gorham and Relg are not seeing. Mm -hmm. It could be. Hmm. Or maybe, I mean, I would assume like the Gorham probably senses all, right? He well, you'd imagine knows. so. He's probably kind of hanging out there a lot, I would imagine. Full and oh, do you Gorham. reckon? I would imagine if he's gonna go anywhere, that's where he would go. Right? <laughs> um, he's not just out in like God's space wherever they hang out, but well, he seems you know. like from what we know of all so far, he's he's kind of reluctant to interact like he's apart he's he's apart from he likes to remain apart from like the Gorham had to talk real hard to get him to be their god for a long time before he agreed and I remember like when he's when all begins to tell the story to Sinedra See, I would imagine the Gorham probably just always senses all, so he's not going to really react if he's like, yeah, he's here. Ah, yeah, maybe the, maybe his presence is so big in his awareness anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but let me just find it. Because there's just this line where he starts to... Here. So the Gorham began. At the beginning of days, when the world was spun out of darkness by the wayward gods. There dwelt in the silences of the heavens, a spirit known only as all. Mm. And so the, I actually sat with that for a little bit today. I went, okay. That's a little, that's quite an insight. If, if, if you stop long enough, just to have a think about that. And the way it's phrased, and perhaps it's only because I know the full story that I think anything about it. Maybe. Because <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what else for me in my perspective. I don't mm. have anything else I can offer. Mm. So as we know, as you all know, darling listeners, this show, only, we only discuss the things we know up to this point in the story, which is quite difficult for those of us who've read the story in its entirety multiple times, but that's what we do because this is Alicia's 
first experience and we want to protect that because you can only have that once yeah so well maybe it'll come up again later maybe i'll probably forget because i do that so magic what's your magic I was just reading my magic because I wrote this like what was it three weeks ago we were supposed to read yeah we've had a couple of weeks off and I'm reading it like that's what I chose really (laughs) but I'll go with it (laughs) I chose the appearance of the figure from the globe no you didn't that was mine oh (laughs) wow (laughs) no wonder I'm reading it like did I I choose remember that why would I choose okay Okay. <laughs> Are you dissing my, my is, magic? Are you dissing my, my magic? Name, she's, she's dissing no, my magic. I'm not dissing it. I'm just like, <laughs> I don't remember that. You're having an out of body experience. Like, what, where was I? I, I suddenly, I guess I suddenly thought my name was Sandra. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> my magic I picked, I still, okay, I haven't read it. Relg's ability to move through the rock walls and find caves okay okay that's my magic three weeks ago okay and it's still your magic because it's all of the quantum physics of the thing it did. yeah because i read this chapter before i found that book so. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. my magic is the appearance of the figure from the glowing rock <laughs> sorry I spoiled that one for you. That's okay. That's great. I love it. Uh, So that's the magic. What's the reality for you? All right. I'll read the right one this time. Uh, I put that I can relate. I can relate to Sinidra when she feels the need to prove herself in some way to the Gora. Like, because I think we all understand this feeling, but like, oh, you, yeah, you feel as someone you're, you kind of admire is like, so he's this big thing or, or somebody. And, and then they kind of start to talk, not talk down to you, but just, you know, kindly nudge you in a certain way. And you're like, well, but I can, well, okay, I'll show you. And then it just doesn't <laughs> yeah, exactly. work out. <laughs> and then you proceed to show exactly how much you don't know. <laughs> yeah yeah which is adorable yep i did that a lot when i was young oh goodness me too (laughs) (laughs) so my reality is the way that gorham uses the power of presence and speech to channel authority as i get older i'm finding that i root myself more deeply in presence and um, younger me wanted approval to do it and i would wait and wait and wait um but present me approves of herself and i don't wait for anybody anymore (laughs) and it feels different it feels really powerful and it doesn't feel like it feels like i don't know maybe that's why i connect with the gorm so so well because i see him as this beautiful kind soft space but when he's in his like when he needs to be he's like don't fuck with me i will blast you off the face of the earth with my truth 
just feeling a bit like that these days. It's a good place to be. <laughs> so, prophecy speaks. So this week we um, have a patron prophecy submitted by Rachel and we released it to patrons um, just before Thanksgiving and I will include that in the show now for you to listen to. It goes for about, oh, I don't think it goes, it's under 15 minutes. I'll put all the times in the show notes for you so you can skip amongst things as you like, but Let's listen to Rachel's question and how we responded. So Rachel, the book that I've chosen to do Prophecy Speaks for you is called Bridge of Sides. It's by Rich, Richard Russo. And I just thought that it sounded, I saw it on the shelf. I thought, oh, that's the one. Because I think it could, it might turn out that you're a bit of a bridge of size, you know, you're trying to be the bridge. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out in prophecy and whether I'm totally off. Okay. The fire occurred late Saturday night. So it was Monday before my father appeared on the front page of the Thompson Guardian. In the photo, he's holding up his two bandaged hands for the camera and, as I mentioned, without eyebrows. Otherwise, his hair was basically unharmed. Brill cream, apparently, didn't burn. And combed into his signature pompadour, which my mother must have done for him, given the condition of his hands. As a boy, I always thought my father handsome, the sort of man people considered special in appearance as well as conduct. Though I suppose this is how all boys regard their fathers. Now that he exists most vividly in my memory, the old newspaper photo sometimes catches me off guard. And I can't help thinking that while this man is perfectly my father, perfectly Big Lou Lynch with his broad, good-natured smile and his big, awkward body, the picture doesn't do him justice. Shall I keep going? Maybe a couple more sentences. I still have the article, of course, old and yellow and brittle, but safely under glass. <laughs> It hangs on the wall, definitely a few more sentences. It hangs on the wall in my study. At one point we had dozens of copies because neighbours all along Third Avenue saved them for us. I remember the stack of newspapers in the corner of the living room and also going through them, one after the other, proud yet disappointed too, that the photograph and story were identical and thinking how much better and how more just it would have been to have a different picture of my father in each copy, like baseball cards, so we could collect them all. 
by the next day, of course, there was other news. And that didn't seem fair either. Okay. Mm -hmm. That was really beautiful and perfect. Would you like to... What are you picking up? I was actually more drawn to the first part of the passage, surprisingly, even though I said keep going. <laughs> but I was curious where it would go. Um, but I was just replacing father with mother in that passage. And uh -huh. I'm understanding that her mom, which I think a lot of people are feeling this this time around in the States as the holidays mm -hmm. come up, feeling that disappointment of, of not being able to have all the people you want to have and understanding that's her mom that's who she is um and knowing that let maybe just reminding her like in the passage it talks about like how the boy saw his father as almost in this mm -hmm. admiration and love is how i felt mm -hmm. it and maybe just remind your mom that though everybody else cannot be there, that everybody that is there still loves her very much. And it's something to be grateful for. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and the second part speaks of the situation itself. The second part that I read talks about an article that's treasured and so treasured it's under glass. It's like the perfect thing that you never ever want to lose or have change. And, and so he's looked through as a, as a young, you know, as he's looking through all of the different newspapers that all of the neighbours, everyone in sundry kept like, your mum likes to invite everyone and sundry for Thanksgiving. You know, this newspaper, all of the neighbours collected this newspaper because they were all, you know, part of this larger extended family. And the little boy was disappointed when it was the same all the time. He thought that maybe it should be different. But when he's grown up, he keeps, still keeps, he still clings to this article and keeps it as a precious, precious thing and rightly so you know we like to have mementos but things change everything changes and so and, and we forget we forget that when we're young or you know before we decide this is the perfect way for something to be we're open to the changes but anything that we think is perfect is only perfect for now. It's not a fixed point in the universe because we're constantly changing, no matter how hard we try to hold on to things and pin it down. I have it never change. That's not possible. And it causes pain. It causes a lot of pain when we try because we're pushing against the flow of the universe. And so I really, f I feel for your mum, uh, Rachel. I mean, this year, it's not just in the States for the holidays. Like all of our 
we always get together here and have a big, you know, Chris, Christmas, couple of Christmas dinners, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Boxing Day, and, you know, which is the day after Christmas, which is also my sister-in-law's birthday. And so we always go over to her place for Christmas, you know, the day after Christmas Day. We can't do any of that this year. And so we're all kind of arranging tic-tac-toe, you know, not tic-tac-toe, like a round robin, who can go where and how many people. And so it's not that we won't see the people we love. It's just that we can't do it the way we did before. And that doesn't mean we won't be able to do it the same way again. It just means we can't do it right now. And the tighter we try to hold on to those things, the more painful it is. And so I don't know. Um, that, that, anyway, that's what's coming up for me. Yeah, I wanted to just add to that too, is that something that could help on this day tomorrow, Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. um, is, I don't know her, it depends on her, but it, maybe it could help to um, actually just have a conversation of the memories of your Thanksgivings previously. Maybe you can do some Zoom calls still with the, the people who usually yeah. show up and share the stories together with them and just have some laughs or maybe some tears, you know, and just be there for each other. And tears is, uh, tears is no bad thing. No. It's all moving that stuff through you. It's feeling, it's like, it's feeling grateful for stuff. And it's okay to grieve this year, darlings. Yes. It's okay to grieve because this is a grieving time. This is a time of things falling away and making space for whatever's coming next. But if, but, but stopping ourselves from grieving is not healthy and it won't help. Yeah. And I think that you guys, maybe especially as the children, you and your brother, it's easier, I think, for the younger generations, everything that's happening right now, because it's, I don't know, I guess the younger generations are more flexible. I don't, I don't know if that's the right no, word, no, you're but. You're, you're up, no, you're absolutely right. Because, you know, every, every succeeding generation um, is, it comes through with a quicker energy, a higher, like a, a faster vibration. They're more able to flow more quickly. Like, I flow more quickly than my parents. My daughters flow more quickly than I do. That's the way things work. That's evolution. Yeah. So if you guys can be the support for her tomorrow on Thanksgiving, Mm. you know, I don't know where your brother is at with all of this, but at least you know that you can just be the support for her and whatever she needs, just be there for her. Yeah. And so I'll go back to the text for just a moment he can he he talks about remembering the stack of newspapers in the corner of the living room and going through them one after the other proud and yet disappointed and that's what you'll be doing this year for thanksgiving going through your memories and making it okay for mum to be not okay you know making it really okay for her to feel however she feels not trying to stop her feeling devastated but just supporting her through that you don't have to make her feel any other way than what she feels because 
it's sad and she's allowed to grieve. Yeah, I agree with that. Definitely. Yeah. So I hope that was, I hope that was helpful. I hope that, you know, sort of just soaks into your heart a little bit and supports you as you go into this time of supporting your parents because I think that's what this time will be for you. Yeah, and you guys might be surprised and how much you'll enjoy tomorrow also. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely right. And the more okay you make it for your mum to feel the way she does, the more she will be able to move through it and not stay stuck in it. Mm-hmm. So how's that? what do you think about that, Alicia? I think that was okay. Yeah, yeah, I think that was really, really good. I kept getting chills okay. throughout the conversation of like, oh, oh, you know, fantastic. Just it's, you feel the energy in the air right now here as Thanksgiving approaches here in this country. Yeah. Like so many people are having those emotions. It's just different. Yeah. Like for me and my family, it's really not different. It was always kind of just us, anyways. But yeah, I definitely understand so many people. Mm-hmm. You know, feeling challenged okay so happy thanksgiving my darling my darlings all of our (laughs) all of my our listeners who celebrate that holiday Um, and we'll definitely be doing an episode next week yeah we will so this section will go into that episode as well but you know me i put all the times in you can skip over it if you like or you can soak into it again and see if it has a different message for you next week awesome and so that was a lot of fun i really enjoyed doing that and um if you you would like your own prophecy speaks you um are welcome to become one of paul gara's flock and ask your own question and we can do a reading for you do a bit of prophecy a bit of forecasting a little bit of coaching a little bit of you know, just loving you in the right direction. <laughs> yeah. And it's always, it's easier to do the prophecy for someone else when you're doing it on your own, on yourself, right? Yeah. Like instantly I'm like, oh my gosh, I got that. And when I do mine, I'm always like, I got nothing. <laughs> well, that's why it's so helpful. But, you know, asking us to do prophecy speaks for you will give you the distance to hear the message because even though when we when you do it for yourself it's a very powerful experience if you sit with it and take the time and allow yourself to sink into the meaning you need to kind of loosen the stitches of you know what you think you know like your first impression of the text you've got to kind of loosen and get a new idea of what you're looking at and remember that you're looking at your question or at your situation through the lens of the words that you're reading. And it's an, it's an interesting practice and it is very powerful, but you will get a different view when someone else looks at your question through those same words, because that's the way it has to be because we all come with our own filters and our own perceptions. And yeah. when you're really close to a situation, sometimes you you just aren't willing to 
see what is staring at you. <laughs> well, that's why it helps for us to do them together too, because yes. we pick yes. things up that the other doesn't. And... Exactly. Like you'll notice so often it's like, did you get anything? <laughs> is the question we ask. Yeah. So did we want to do Prophecy Speaks um, this week? Do you want to do yours and I don't do mine or we'll just have a nice long prophecy speak section. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. I kind of really want to ask my question. Yeah. Yeah. Me too, actually. So did you want to go first? Sure. Um, so mine is, I want to use my voice. Like we were talking about before the show, I almost got tempted back into social media but I don't want to use social media, but I do want to use my voice as an author in a way that feels really good for me. Kind of want it to also be like a new and different thing that maybe people aren't doing yet or something. Um, but I want to do it to not only reach readers who are going to love my books, but also I want to start making a difference in people's lives in the world. So my question is, what is my next step on this path? Mm-hmm. to do that and I'm using the book uh, House of the Clock and Its Walls by John Belairs because uh, I feel like this story is really somebody needing to find you know a way that worked for them because mm-hmm. they were very unique mm-hmm. compared to all the other people around them okay there were black smudges on the knees of his trousers and there was a twig in his shoe Two more stages. Lewis gritted his teeth and went on. At the top of the hill, he dropped to his knees and crossed himself several times. The sweat was running down his face and he could feel his heart thumping. Well, he had done it. It was no great triumph because Tarby had probably scaled the ridge in a tenth of the time it had taken him, but at least he had done it. Lewis looked around. He was standing at the edge of a long avenue lined with willow trees. The bare strings of the willows swayed in the wind and Lewis shivered. He felt very cold and very alone. At the far end of the avenue, the gray gates of the cemetery glimmered. Lewis started to walk toward it. The cemetery gate was a heavy arch of a stone covered with elaborate carving. On the lintel were inscribed these words, the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised okay i remember that scene what are you getting well the obvious to me is telling me that like it's hit it's taken me longer on this journey than most people take um but that's just the way i had to do it uh but as far as right now like what is my next step to use my voice as an author. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it's telling me the next step is. It's telling me like what it has been. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I don't I don't want it to be telling me that it's gonna still be a very long, slow journey. No. And I don't I don't know what else I'm getting. Okay. So it feels at the moment lonely and the bare branches of the willow, you're in the 
season of stillness, looking up at a graveyard with headstones. So this is what I'm seeing is this is your season of stillness and this beautiful arched um, gateway to the place of deepest stillness with these words emblazoned what was it the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised mm -hmm. so i would be listening for the sound of the trumpet and you will hear it in the deepest stillness and so you are doing all the right things. You are treading this path exactly the way that you, well, the only way that you can tread it, which is the right way for you. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. That makes sense. Uh, and to just embrace that that's, that's my way, regardless of what anyone else thinks. I need to do to make something happen. And, and I'm, I'm also, okay. I'm also, okay. So you are approaching this place with all of the headstones and it's very still, but it's not unpopulated. Yes. Yeah. So if you, yes. There's something, there's something there. Well, what I'm getting is now that you say all that is that this book I'm reading, he talks exactly about, um, you say stillness, he would say, focus on energy instead of matter. Mm -hmm. um, and can you hear my dog oh i thought it was your chair when you were swiveling i thought it was your chair squeaking she's at the door whining because she wants to come in she's having a heart attack because she's not, not by my feet do you want to let her um, in no she'll be fine okay it's almost over so okay. what i what i'm getting is that focusing on energy instead of matter is the same as being in stillness and just listening for that guidance like what's until I have hear clearly hear the trumpet sound and know, and I'll just know there's no action, no action step. The step is to stay in stillness until you hear the trumpet. Mm -hmm. But and just so, recognize that when you hear it, it's not a test to see how still you can stand when you are feeling motivated to move. Mm -hmm move when you feel motivated to move right and that's exactly what i was saying to my friend is that i had not felt motivation to do to take action for so long and i was starting to question myself why am i not motivated move when you feel motivated to move mm -hmm. and remember that all is energy matter yeah is still energy mm -hmm. i would encourage you to 
think of everything in that term rather than separate matter from the unseen energy. Because just because you can see something doesn't make it less energetic than if you can't see it. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Oh, thank you. Oh, that was nice. Okay, so my question is, excuse me, I have joined a writing community. I'm really enjoying being part of it. Um, and so I have two, I have some new uh, colleagues and new office colleagues. And I, I want to know what direction is this decision pulling me in? And how is this going to support me? So I know the obvious things are companionship and like minds. Yeah, that's really, yeah, okay. But how is this going to support my career specifically? Because I've been having, you know, thoughts about am I continuing with stuff because like stuff I'll stop being vague am I continuing with developing a goddess course in miracles stuff because I've already spent like nearly two years creating it when it's stopping me from really focusing on my writing and getting books published like getting my stuff done you know, is it good that I have all of these, like, things that I'm dipping into? You know, they're all incredibly valuable. But I'm just, you know, I'm sort I'm of thinking, am I just doing this now because I've spent so long on it and if I don't keep doing it, well, I've wasted all of this time and, you know, what does that say? And <laughs> Right. Um, so that's kind of the headspace I'm in. So even though, you know, I, in before the show, I was talking about how amazing this space is, and it is totally amazing. It's totally amazing. And I want it to, it feels so wonderful when I'm in there. But I think I keep hesitating, really going full force with it and getting it launched quickly because once I do, it is going to require a well, at least for the first bit, a lot of my attention, a lot of my focus. But that's an assumption. Maybe it won't. Right. You know? So, um, so anyway, yeah. So I've joined this writing community on purpose to support my writing. What direction is this decision pulling me in and how is this going to support me? And I'm using a book called A Special Relationship by Douglas Kennedy. None of my neighbours have bothered to introduce themselves. They never do. And people are so abrupt with each other in shops. Margaret grinned a big grin. Oh, you've noticed that, have you? Indeed, I had, particularly in the form of the guy who ran my local newsagent. His name was Mr. Noor. And he was always having a bad day. 
In the weeks that I'd been buying the morning papers at his shop, I'd never known him to ever favour me or any other customer with a smile. I had tried many times to force a grin out of him or to at least engage him in a basic yet civil conversation, but he had steadfastly refused to budge from his position of ongoing misanthropy. And the journalist in me always wondered what was the root cause of his unpleasantness? A brutal childhood in Lahore? A father who beat him senseless for the slightest infraction? Or maybe it was the sense of dislocation that came with being yanked out of Pakistan and dropped into the chilly dankness of London in the mid-70s, whereupon he discovered he was a Paki, a wog, a permanent outsider in a society that despised his presence. Okay. That's not what I want to hear. <laughs> I don't know if it's that literal. But are you going to keep reading? Or oh, here we go. Of course, I just a little bit more. Of course, when I once articulated a version of this scenario to Karim, the guy who ran the corner shop next to Mr. Noor's news agency, I was greeted with serious laughter. Bloke's never been to Pakistan in his life, Karim told me. I don't think it's something you've done that's made him treat you the way he does. He does it with everybody and it's nothing to do with nothing. He's a miserable git, that's all. Okay. First impressions are not the truth we always tell it. We tend to tell ourselves. Right. Right. <sighs> okay. I will get to see myself differently. This will show me different parts of myself. Maybe even remind you of certain parts of yourself. Yes. Anything else? What are you getting? What are you getting? The only other thing is I feel that you interpreted that one line. What was the line? I don't figure out how to how it said it, but as as I think you interpreted that as a permanent a permanent outsider in a society that despised his presence. Right. Now I feel that that could have actually more meant that uh, you might have a little bit of I don't know fear isn't the word, but like hesitation that that could happen should you choose to stop goddess course in miracles okay so, so did, yes. were you were you were you reading that in the in the, in the context of uh goddess course in miracles or the writing community that i'm starting well i was thinking that part in terms of the course the goddess course in miracles because that was like a big part of why you're asking this question is that you feel like that could possibly really pull you away mm. from the writing. And like you were saying that, um, I just lost my train of thought. You were saying about Course in Miracles, the Goddess Course in Miracles, like, are you gonna keep doing it just because you already spent so much time on it? Mm. Or is it because it's something you really, really want to do because it's important to you? Mm. 
So that line kind of just jumped at me for that specific like topic that you had brought up, even though it's not your question about the writing community. It kind of jumped at me that that could actually mean like that should you choose to walk away from the goddess course in miracles that either that's how you would view yourself or you think maybe others might view mm. that of you too so, I mean, like ultimately i don't want to i think it's really important work and i think it's leading me to even more important work like i've started yeah. a new non-fiction book mm. which has come out of my outrage at a Dutch word that I learned last week, which I might talk about next week because this episode's already really long. But um, direction is this decision pulling me in? I'm yeah. So I think it is. I I di I am hesitant to to fully engage with this community because I see them as so. I see myself as not as good as them. Mm. Okay. And how is this going to support me? Maybe I get to see myself a bit differently. Maybe I get to break through some assumptions, some surface assumptions, like, you know, about yeah. myself and other people. Yeah. Yeah. Because the truth is with writing and like, I mean, there are people who just, they just can't get it. They just don't know how to put something together like that, even though they'll try. But for the majority of people who set out to write, it's because there's a natural, they have a natural ability to do it in some way, but it's still different than everybody else's. And that's the beauty of it. Yeah. Like just like listening to the Story Studio podcast versus the Story Grid podcast, like they are completely like this. Yes. And yet I am drawn to both of them. Yes, and for I different see the beauty. reasons. Yeah, I see the beauty in each of them. Yeah. For the different and it's the same for a writer it's like yeah those people are probably really awesome authors but you are too <laughs> yeah you know yeah i'm just i'm i think i'm challenging myself to associate with success people who are successful in this business like that's the community i'm inviting myself into and so i'm mm. a little bit scared but what can they do except uplift you to the same place? Oh, nothing. You know? And they totally would because this is why I've chosen this particular community of authors for that this, very reason because it's not full of any dickheads. Is this the, um, what's her name? Sarah? No, it's Sarah. Becca Symes. Becca, yes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's what you do is you get, in with the people who are successful and just and learn to them let myself learn and be open to it's okay not to know it's okay not to know yeah because i think you're used to being the teacher and so it's harder for you to shift and then become the learner or yes. student it's very difficult for me to use this you know self uh awareness moment is very difficult for me to not know a thing right uh, and not because i feel above people but because 
I don't feel worthy of being in this space until I know, like I need to pass some kind of internal bar of knowledge before I'm worth talking to. Right. <laughs> and that's not true. Anyway. <laughs> of course. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like this uh, that's it. This group is going to show you a lot of truths about yourself that you haven't embraced yet. Okay. Step into the fear and do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's the end of the show. Well, prediction. Yeah. So my prediction for last week or the last time was that we all meet the diviner. The party will spend some time in the caves to rest and have interesting interactions with some Ulgos. And Silk might crack because he was like feeling the pressure of being under so much ground. Uh, That didn't happen, but the rest of it was pretty accurate. So next week, week, I think that they're going to prepare to leave now that they have Relg with them. And Sinidra may have a moment to talk with Garion about her feelings that she was pondering Mm -hmm. about the two of them. And maybe it'll work or maybe it'll just push them further apart. Okay. Okay, then. And the hashtag for this episode, hmm, I want to say holy caverns back there. <laughs> sure. Something, something, what do we want? Divine outrage. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Mm which would actually be a good episode title. So what about hashtag um, like bits and pieces or. Ooh, okay. We'll go quantum. We'll go quantum. Yeah. Something about the illusions or. Illusions through illusions. (laughs) Slide through illusions. No, well, that'd be a good title for the show too. Okay, so how about we have divine outrage as the hashtag and sliding through illusions. Okay. That's the episode title. Let's do that. Does that sound good? Yep. Okay, so darling listeners, we are at the end of the show. If you would like to use the hashtag divine outrage, and chuck it into any kind of chat you have with us, which mostly is happening on Patreon now. Um, but you will find all the extended show notes and links to all the things on our website, still, belgariadandbeyond.goddesskindle.com. Um, you can head over, check it out, sign up to the mailing list while you're there. And you can leave a voice message for us. As you heard Rachel doing, it's really easy. Um, it's just a minute. You can just leave us a hello or a whatever you like. And there'll be a link in the show notes. Just let us know if you don't want your voice on the show and we'll just keep it private between the two of us. 
if you want to chat about episodes though and connect with other fans of the show you can follow us on patreon and that means all of you you don't have to pay to follow us what you do is go onto patreon.com search for belgariad and beyond and when you get there scroll down to below where it has the tier descriptions and you'll see a follow button you can click on that and just follow us and you'll see all of the public posts and interact with everybody that way and stay informed with everything that we're doing. And you can always email belgariadandbeyond at gmail.com with all your questions and comments. And the Belgariad and Beyond podcast is an indie production. And the best way for you to show your support is to become a patron. You can get access to bonus shows, bonus episodes of Before the Show, full uncut video episodes where you get to see everything and just peek behind the curtain. You can also do things like request a reading um, like we had today for Rachel. So you can find out more at patreon.com forward slash Belgariad and beyond. And there'll be a link in the show notes. So thanks for hanging out with us all this time. It's been a long episode, but we did have a couple of weeks off and we do tend to go a bit longer after we've been apart because we have to catch up on everything. (laughs) Yeah. Three weeks of catch up. Well, two weeks of catch up in between so yeah we'll be back next week yes talk to you then my lovelies